This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. As we just discussed fairly extensively in the last segment, what was Hurricane Fiona churned through Atlantic Canada over the weekend, leaving devastation in its wake. Let's unpack the story further with Canadian Press Weekend News Editor Michelle McQuig. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dave. So, Michelle, there were some pretty jarring images and stories that came out of Atlantic Canada over the weekend. But let's start in Porto Basque, Newfoundland. What was the scale of the damage in that area? Well, that really is the big, that was the big surprise. Um, No one really expected Porto Basque to be hit as hard as it was, and it was hit extremely hard. We're talking about multiple homes washed clean into the ocean. Uh, the first confirmed fatality linked to Fiona was in Porto Basque. There were actually two women who, and this must have been absolutely terrifying, were pulled out to sea when the winds hit and pulled away parts of their homes. One of those women was rescued. Unfortunately, the 73-year-old was not, and uh, her body was recovered yesterday. Um, the mayor of Porto Basque was updating quite frequently throughout the weekend and was saying that the scope of the damage is, is really, it's worse than even expected and it already looks pretty bad. And they're still taking stock. That's the case everywhere, really. That's not unique to Porto Basque. It was just such a huge storm and it went on through the day Saturday. So yesterday really only offered the first chance for people to start truly taking a real survey of the damage, and that's going to go on for quite a while. Yeah, we'll talk about PEI in just a second, but I know Mm -hmm. one of the stories that came out of PEI was that there just was a lack of telecommunication availability for for (laughs) a day there, which is uh, pretty extensive. But Michelle, before we get to PEI, what about Nova Scotia? How were the Halifax and northern part of the province impacted? Well, the whole province definitely got hit quite hard. at, you know, there's still huge chunks of the province without power, but it's starting to come back on. Halifax got hit and there was some damage, but it wasn't quite as bad as it was up in Cape Breton. That's where the, the real uh, force of the hurricane was felt in that province anyway. Um, lots, lots and lots of damage, uh, you know, downed trees, buildings blown right away. Um, but Cape Breton got hit worse. There's no question about it. And they still, uh, across Atlantic Canada, we still have about 300,000 people without power, and most of those are still in Nova Scotia. Yeah, we played a clip of the mayor of Cape Breton talking about how even though people had been encouraged to pick up 72 hours worth of supplies, that we were rapidly entering the point where those 72 hours were up and a lot of stores were still without power and supplies inside the region. Yeah, exactly. This is... They're going to be reckoning with this for quite a long time. It, it is starting to come back. I, I will say that uh, our reporter on the ground in Sydney, Nova Scotia, woke up to power and hot water this morning, which made him very happy. Uh, same thing in, in PEI. We had a reporter in Charlottetown over the weekend, and she was uh, she could tell you all about the patchy telecom situation that was out there and her, their lack of power. Mm. But uh, she, too, was able to have some electricity this morning. So it, it looks like they're, the, the crews are hard at work trying to start restoring things, but it's going to be a massive job. Yeah, the Nova Scotia emergency preparedness office uh yesterday reported a thousand people on the ground trying to uh trying to work through uh through some of those through some of those outages which is just a, a staggering number of people okay michelle we've alluded to it twice prince edward island what kind of cleanup is underway <laughs> on the island because they had it a little bit differently than some of the more coastal areas in the, in the Atlantic did, provinces 
In some ways, yes, but they were also very hard hit. At one point, uh, at the height of the storm, more than 95% of the island had no power. Um, our reporter, Hina Alam, was on the ground yesterday and came across some really wild sites of buildings blown kilometers from where they were based. Uh, so the the whole island really got hit quite hard. Premier Dennis King um, was speaking throughout the weekend as well. And he was saying that this is probably an unprecedented level of damage for the island and that they're dealing with historic levels of of, of destruction, really. He said there's no, there's no community that managed to escape unscathed. So those are a few of sort of the top line items, Porto Basque, Nova Scotia, Cape Breton, and Prince Edward Island. But what about some of the other regions that were impacted, eastern Quebec, northern mm-hmm. Quebec, Labrador, New Brunswick? What kind of situation are they dealing with? Yeah, I mean, they, they all got hit. So Ile de la Madeleine got hit for sure in Quebec. Uh, there were some small, smaller scale evacuations that were done, but nothing on the scale of what we saw in the provinces we've talked about first. Uh, New Brunswick also uh, had a, a decent stretch without power in, in concentrated areas. Uh, Labrador and most of Newfoundland definitely got hit by the storm, but not at its full fury. Uh, so the damage is a little bit uh, more under control there. But it, it is kind of a weird storm in that you can have scenes of absolute carnage and destruction blocks away from, from areas that are pretty well unscathed. So it's kind of a strange one if you talk to the reporters who were actually out on the ground surveying things. So speaking about those reporters, obviously the story is not about the journalists that report on it, but it's not easy to do and it's not easy to coordinate. Tell me about your experience at the editor's desk this weekend and your colleagues trying to report from the region. This was one to remember. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Um, we, we had a plan. Fortunately, the Environment Canada and the National Hurricane Center had been quite good about, about briefing people and warning them that the storm was coming and that not only benefits residents, but enables people like us to try and get our ducks in a row. So we had people on the ground in, in Cape Breton, like I said, in Prince Edward Island. We had someone in Halifax who was prepared to do most of the writing while people were taking reports. What we hadn't reckoned on, of course, was Port Basque that came out of the blue and really caught us off guard. So we had to scramble a bit to, to, to cover that as best we could remotely because we couldn't get anyone there on Saturday. You know, obviously, no ferries were running. It was not possible to get there physically until today. We are going to have a reporter on the ground in Port Basque today. So there was a lot of coordinating in terms of adapting to an evolving situation that, uh, you know, by its nature, it's weather. It's, it's going to mess with your plans. That's just how weather works. Mm. Um, but there's all the logistics of, of coordinating with the reporters, uh, especially with Apache Telecom, so they can check in when they can, making sure that they're safe and okay, for one, uh, first and foremost, really. And if, if they are, uh, that they're able to to try and get the kind of voices and footage that help put the storm in context for people. Uh, the whole point of putting people in these dangerous assignments is to to get the impact on everyday residents and rather than just relying on, you know, politicians and officials for, the, for their updates. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the 2018 tornadoes in Ottawa. Uh, being a, You were describing sort of what it's like to live in a place where there's carnage just a few blocks from you and then normal life about a kilometer away. Yeah. That's exactly what happened in 2018 in Ottawa. There were parts of Nepean and parts of the west end of the city that were in the black for days. For yes. days, like 48 hours, 60 yeah. hours in the dark. Homes, blocks, entire blocks destroyed. And yeah. then just a kilometer away, bars and restaurants open downtown. It's the weirdest thing. And, and that's... 
that's quite it's really part of the jarring contrast when you have like an entire province like Prince Edward Island trying to dig out from this now with you know closing schools for two days that that's how bad this is yeah um compared to other places where like you said it's it's more or less business as usual um not within that province that that's the the outlier there but just the sheer scope of the storm is, is truly quite remarkable um it, it is. It was historically billed as one of the worst that Atlantic Canada has ever seen, and I don't doubt for a second that anyone who lived through it would dispute that. Yeah. Well, Michelle, this is a place that's dealt with the likes of Hurricane One. Like they're not. They're mm-hmm. no strangers to big storms. Mm-hmm. Michelle, thank you for the update on this one. We appreciate it. There's no news panel on Friday, so we'll talk to you next Monday. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you very much. That's Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI-audiobook review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI-audiobook review from your favorite podcast provider.